Welcome everyone to this week's ICEJ webinar. Uh, we're having a very special program today on Yom Yerushalayim, Jerusalem Day when Israel marks uh, annually the uh, reuniting of the city of Jerusalem in 1967 during the Six Day War. It's a time for celebration, but also a lot of caution and, and uh, concern once again this year. If you remember last year around Jerusalem Day, there was an 11-day rocket war started, Operation Guardians of the Wall, and some of the elements of that are still around. So this should be a day for celebrating and rejoicing in Jerusalem, its uh, significance for the Jewish people, for Christians as well, but also a day to talk about these other concerns. And we're joined by a special guest, the Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem, Flor Hassan Nahum. It's nice to have you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, thank you so much for inviting me. Okay, uh, as we uh, begin talking to uh, the Deputy Mayor, if you're over on the Facebook Live or the YouTube channel, you need translation. If you come over to the Zoom, channel. You can get the translation uh, in uh, Chinese, French, Portuguese, Spanish, and Thai right now. So join the, the uh, Zoom webinar for that. We're just so glad to have you, uh, Deputy Mayor, and congratulations. You were just uh, uh, nominated to be uh, part of a special U.S. State Department program named for former uh, Vice President Hu Hubert Humphrey. Uh, the Distinguished Humphrey Leadership Program, a three-week program that you're going to take part, I think, in August or September, in September, and congratulations on that. Thank you so much. I was really honored, and I'm thrilled by the opportunity. Yes, and uh, we also have to uh, include in here, um, you know, a, a note about how you've also been on the short list to be uh, nominated as uh, the chairman of the Jewish agency. They're still looking for a new chair, chairman or chairwoman, chairperson, and you were on that list uh, in the media over and over over the past almost a year or so. And uh, we can't take sides in this, but we think you do a great job at it. But for Thank now, you're you, a great, David. Yeah, we're a great spoke. You're a great spokesman for the city of Jerusalem, which is a very, very important role, especially with all the controversy that always seems to surround the city. And uh, we just want to start out more on a positive note, though. What what is Israel celebrating at Yom Yerushalayim, and and what does the city mean to the Jewish people and to you? Well, thank you so much, David, and it's always wonderful to be with you uh, in any event. And on Yom Yerushalayim, which is Jerusalem Day, we're basically celebrating the return to Zion. Zion is one of the names of Jerusalem, and the return means that we, uh, in 19, between 1948 and 1967, there was an illegal Jordanian occupation here after the... Um, after the War of Independence in 1948, and in 1967, when a second existential war was launched against us, we recaptured and unified our wonderful city, which is also the heart and soul of the Jewish people um, and the city holy for Christians and Muslims alike. But under uh, Israeli sovereignty, we can now have freedom of worship for all religions, 
and it really signifies the return to Zion, like I said, the reunification of our wonderful capital. Um, and it has been a new day since 1967, since re reunifying our capital. Yeah, I uh, was just uh, in the city of Barcelona. It's a wonderful uh, city, wonderful country of Spain, you know, visited many cities around the world, but I was so get, glad to get back to Jerusalem, my home for 25 years and, and city, a city, you know, with a, a respect, you know, there's just a respect for its religious significance, but also a real battle over its religious significance between let's say those who have a biblical heritage and those with a Quranic heritage. And it's uh, really playing out. But I think, you know, we want to really focus at first, if I might, a couple uh, scriptures. This is Psalms 87. Uh, his foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion. You mentioned Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God, verse 5, and of Zion, it will be said, this one and that one were born in her, the most high, and the most high himself shall establish her. The Lord will record when he registers the people. This one was born there. Both the singers and the players are on instruments say, all my springs are in you. And I had a, a friend, she was one of the first evangelical ministries to be established in Jerusalem, Ruth Heflin who many years ago, she said, Jerusalem is unique as one of the only cities in the world that's not on some sort of body of water, a major sea or ocean or a major river, uh, but it's because all her streams are in God. They're spiritual streams. You have the Gihon, that's why you have a city here, but there's no major water here, but still it's about the spiritual streams that flow from the city. What does it mean to you? Well, first of all, in the Hebrew word Yerushalayim, there's a Yud and a Mem, which means Yam. So we actually have sea in our name. And of course, so we have to look beyond the physical sea. We have our streams um, and we have our, you know, uh, rivers and sources of water. Otherwise, uh, we would, the city would never have been built where it was. But ultimately, there's something much more special about Jerusalem. Jerusalem was created two and a half thousand years ago as a proper city um, by King David to unite his Jewish kingdom. King David originally came from Hebron. He was from the tribe of Judea. And he just he did a very smart political move. He said, I'm not going to set the capital of the Jewish kingdom in Judea, in Hebron, because then the other tribes will not feel at home. And so he picked Jerusalem, uh, which was a city that didn't belong to any, any of the tribes. And he said, this will be the city where all the tribes can gather and all the tribes can feel that this is their home. And this is very much the DNA of Jerusalem. It's the place where all of us can gather and where diversity is the DNA of our city. And it's that diversity that brings incredible innovation, social innovation, tech innovation, and of course, the model for a shared society. So where the place is most political and most challenging is also the place where we're going to have the best solution. Hmm. I, I know that uh, you play a, an important uh, role as a uh, leading spokesperson for uh, the city of Jerusalem and, and the people of Israel 
on, on Jerusalem. And we all know this is established history, a Jewish connection here uh, back to the time of David, if not uh, Abraham, 4,000 years. But uh, mm -hmm. how do you, you know, uh, how, do you get tired of having to explain this established factual history to uh, other officials from other countries? Uh, and how do you go about that? Well, I think that most officials, uh, if they can read a book, they know that Jerusalem is a Jewish city from two and a half thousand years ago. And the heritage goes back, as you say, quite rightly, David, from Abraham's times and the sacrifice of Isaac. And so I don't think the people who, um, who talk against us actually believe that there's no connection. Um, they don't believe it, but they say it anyway, because they don't believe we had a right to return. Uh, because you know why? Because there's no precedent. There's no precedent. A, there's no precedent for an ancient, ancient people still being today, um, you know, alive and kicking. We are like dinosaurs. We're, you know, the times we're before the ancient Romans and the ancient Greeks, well, you know, seeing Jews on the street today saying the same prayer, same prayers you could have found 2,000 years ago or an anomaly. And so because people don't really understand that, they, um, they try and disconnect us. But ultimately, what we have to be is confident in who we are, have pride in who we are, and let anybody think whatever they want. So no, I don't get tired of telling our story. I'm not convincing anybody. I'm simply telling our incredible, miraculous story. Yes. And uh, what are some of the events that uh, the city has planned and, and the, the nation has planned around Yom Yerushalayim this year? So we have a whole week of events that already started on Tuesday. We had a festive city council meeting on Tuesday night at the Rockefeller Archaeological Museum, which was wonderful. Uh, every, this Tonight, I'll be going to the Jerusalem um, uh, Prize, where we give 12 Jerusalemites who've done good works for the city their whole lives, where we give them uh, a prize, a recognition from the city. Um, it continues with prayers on Sabbath. It continues with a flag dance on Sunday. We have events in every single place you can imagine. We have Sunday night, we have concerts in the park of all types, uh, continue Monday with more events. It's, it's a whole week of festivities here mm -hmm. in Jerusalem. Yeah, I know uh, if you live here, you sort of get uh, a little dizzy from the, the rapid succession of, you have the week of Passover, which is so important, and then uh, Yom HaShoah, the Holocaust Remembrance Day, and then Yom HaZikaron, Yom HaTzma'ut, the Independence Day, uh, right after the Remembrance for Fallen Soldiers. Then you have uh, the... Lagba Omer. Lagba Omer, and now Yom Yerushalayim, and finally Sukkot, I mean uh, Shavuot. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. I say to my kids, after Purim, nobody's learning anything. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's what <right>. happens. <laughs> the kids are off and you, it's obligatory that you take them out in nature and do a cookout, family yeah. cookout and all. But uh, this is one of these holidays in rapid su succession. But it seems this year, even with your whole week of events, everything is focusing on this flag march. Uh, which, yes, uh, it always is. It always yeah, does. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's mainly an excuse uh, for people to accuse Israel 
of um, provocation, but I don't believe our existence is a provocation. I know many people do. And I certainly don't believe that our festivals and our festivities should be defined by our enemies or the people that want to destroy us. I think we should be sensitive. I think we should march. We march in celebration and in love. We don't march in hate. Mm -hmm. And if there are a few bad apples here and there, we should arrest them and make sure they don't show up. But, uh, but we shouldn't let our detractors uh, detract us from celebration uh, of the wonderful unif reunification of our city. Yeah, the, uh, the tradition has been going on for quite a while. How long has it been? Uh, I think part of the problem the other side is saying is that they're going through Damascus Gate, which is like Arab terrain. It's the main Arab uh, cultural center in East Jerusalem. And, and is that the rub? And this gets back to the question of Israeli sovereignty over the whole city. If you cave on this, you're giving up your sovereignty. Well, put it this way, would we have any objections with Arabs coming through Jaffa Gate, which is at the border of the Jewish quarter, or yes. through Dung Gate? They do every day. Why mm -hmm. is it that we have to be sensitive to everybody, but nobody's sensitive to us? Um, you know, and ultimately, um, we do have to be sensitive. We don't want any type of issues. We don't want life, of course, of anybody's life to be in danger. And I think we have to be sensitive, but ultimately, I think that um, you know we have to march in celebration and not stop any, not let anybody stop us. Mm -hmm. And uh, help us uh, remind our viewers: last year it was on Yom Rushalayim when this flag march went into Damascus Gate. The Hamas used that as a pretext to start firing rockets uh, at no, Israel. No, actually, last year we rerouted through Jaffa Gate. Yeah, and yes, so, and yes. for the last and for the last two years, we've rerouted, we've rerouted through Jaffa Gate, and that is in order to be sensitive. But enough is enough, you know. Yes. Who's being sensitive to us and our right to pray? Jews yeah, can't pray on Temple Mount. Jews yeah. can't pray on Temple Mount. Is anybody being sensitive to our own worshiping needs? Yeah, I know there was a, a court ruling on this the other day by a lower court that Jews who were planning to go up on the Temple Mount and pray, uh, were, the judge says they could do it, and the city or the government itself appealed that. And can you explain for our people what that whole dispute is about? The basic premise is that uh, the status quo is that Jews can't pray on Temple Mount in order to mm. preserve the sensibilities of the Muslims who go and pray on Temple Mount, Al-Aqsa, and the other Dome of the Rock. Um, uh, it, there's been quiet and very limited Jewish prayer for over a decade now there. And the whole court case was whether a Jew could say Shema Israel, uh, yeah. hear, 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 oh God, uh, hear Israel, um, which is the, one of our basic uh, prayers, the prayer of faith and monotheism, one God. Um, and it was, I guess, a test case to see what mm -hmm. would happen. And now, if you believe freedom of worship, then you believe freedom yes. of worship for all. Uh, I believe in freedom of worship. I, you know, I know that Muslims and Jews can go to the different churches around the city. I know that Christians and Muslims can go to the uh, Wailing Wall if they so wish. So why is it that we can't, not Christians and not Jews, can go up on Temple Mount and say a prayer for the peace of Jerusalem? Seems mm -hmm. a little ridiculous, but we mm -hmm. sacrifice 
sacrifice that. We sacrifice that for the sake of peace and quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the state appeal, because the state is worried about what the safety elements of having Jews praying up on Temple Mount, we don't want to cause a third world war as a result of, we are more pragmatic than that. And we're also willing to put the public good before our own religious needs, which very few people actually do. And so um, as a result, the, the state appealed, um, but the test case for freedom of worship won. Yeah, I think there have been some other rulings on this, but this uh, particular case, it was a young Jew who went up there and said the Shema and was arrested by Israeli police. And it was uh, the judge was deciding whether that was a criminal, an illegal criminal act or not. He said it's not criminal. He has a right to pray up there. And, and I think the higher court just says the, the lower court's probably right, but there's a security concern here that the government has to take into account. Yes, so, imagine you went up yeah. to Temple Mount and said the Our Father and get arrested. Yes. That make, yeah. Does that make any sense no. to you? It'd be outraged. I think it all goes back to, you know, that moment when Israel captured the old city and, and Motagur, the IDF commander, said the Temple Mount is in our hands, but within 24 hours, uh, um, Moshe Dayan, he, he was foreign minister at the time, he handed the keys back to the Temple Mount compound to the Muslim family that owned it, to the Waqf, and, and uh, handed back the, the, the status quo, as you mentioned. It's, it's the, the Muslim Waqf up there has day-to-day uh, custodianship of the place of running, administering it, but Israel has ultimate uh, security uh, uh, jurisdiction and, and sovereignty. And that's really the, the battle line even to this day. Yeah. Yes, it is. That's exactly it. Okay. Um, the, um, I mean, Hamas is, is threatening to fire rockets again. Do you think uh, uh, there's going to be a decision to send it back through the march, back through? Uh, um, the, uh, I, think, the, I think that it's a real possibility. Look, let's be honest. Hamas objects to our very existence in this country. Mm-hmm. and not a particular route of a particular march. They're just looking That's for an right. excuse. And this That's is a way right. of manipulating, and this is a way of manipulating Muslim sensibilities. Uh, they use it to provoke Muslims, um, but they don't, you know, they, they don't want us here at all. So it doesn't matter where or what. Um, so, of course, this is a very handy excuse for them. And I've got a feeling that maybe in the last 24 hours it will be rerouted. Um, mm-hmm. If it is, then I, you know, I have faith in our security forces to do the best thing. For the for the for, for people for the safety of people. Yeah, and I think I, I know you're having to explain all of this to different world leaders uh, as an f- official of the city, and th- th- to, again, to me, it's just the fact that you have to go explaining these things and that how how you're trying to do your best and they're trying to uh, incite violence and ignite a, a war. Uh, on the other side, uh, I, I just pray that you have grace and energy to keep it up. <laughs> do people come put me down do, so quickly? <laughs> do they? Do the do the leaders from other countries, officials from other? Do they understand Israel's predicament here? Most of them understand it. They can't say it out loud. Some of them are defenders. Well, all I can tell you is the countries where there uh, there is government with evangelical leaders are on our side. Uh, unconditionally, and there's many of those in the city of Jerusalem, and the others, well, we're here, 
This is our sovereign state. We're not telling them how to handle their business. So they should stick uh, into their own business and not ours. Um, do you ever make the case uh, that that it's the the Palestinian side and even the Jordanian walk uh, that that has changed the status quo up there over the decades since '67? There's a uh, an Israeli scholar, uh, Nadav Shagrai. He's a reporter on the Jerusalem beat and has written a number of excellent essays over the year, scholarly papers that they first of all expanded the prayer from the Dome of the Rock and Al-Aqsa Mosque to the entire, uh, to the entire Temple Mount compound. They've added the, the Marwani Mosque underground. They've added another mosque over near the Eastern Gate, the Golden Gate. And so they've been changing the status quo to exclude Christian and Jewish prayer up there over the decades. And yeah. that, that should be counted, they, that should be answered. Yes, and I mean, and let's not even talk about uh, the archeological stuff that they try and block and bury, because of course, the more you dig in Jerusalem, the more you see the Jewish connection and they don't like that. Uh, and then they accuse us of Judaizing Jerusalem. That's like saying uh, to Catholicize the Vatican, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was one of the questions I, I, I had as well in discussing this with uh, leaders from other countries, when you're accused of Judaizing Jerusalem, how, how absurd and, and how do you answer that? Well, uh, I think that the contention is ridiculous and I answer them by telling them, you know, are you Christianizing the Vatican? Uh, and they're a little shocked, and then maybe they understand my metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it seems a lot of the, um, the violence and incitement and the, the wave of terror Israel has faced in, in over the last couple of months, some of it was, a, you know, real, uh, connected perhaps to Ramadan and this and that. But uh, uh, I, I said, it's my sense that there's a real effort by the Palestinian Authority and Hamas and others to put pressure on the Arab countries uh, that have joined the Abraham Accords and even the Ra'am Party, which joined the government. This is to create pressure on them to freeze that process of normalizing relations with Israel. What, what do you say about that? Well, they're not going to succeed because the Arab world has had enough of Palestinian intransigence and rejectionism. They've had 74 years to get their act together. They've had multiple opportunities to make peace with Israel. And if they haven't made peace, it's because they really haven't accepted the fact that we're here. Uh, we don't teach our children that one day they're going to disappear. They teach their children um, that one day the Jews will just get kicked out to the sea. And so hang on and we'll be okay eventually. We'll kick them all out. That's not what my children are learning. And so uh, from somebody who's been deeply involved in the Abraham Accords, people to people, civil society, rapprochement with the Gulf, I can tell you that's not going anywhere. We're going to grow from strength to strength. And hopefully the next big uh, country that's going to join the Abraham Accords will be, I pray, uh, Saudi Arabia and the sooner the better. Oh, from, from your lips to God's ears. Amen. Uh, I know the Abraham Accords have brought a lot of benefits to the whole country, especially the economy, political, diplomatic, but what 
but specifically the benefits it's brought to Jerusalem? And who have you been engaging with? Uh, what, what have you been doing? How many trips have you made to the Gulf? <laughs> well, I co-founded two organizations. One is called the UAE Israel Business Council, and the other one is called the Gulf Israel Women's Forum. The Gulf Israel Women's Forum is a forum of female leaders from around the Middle East. I have women from Saudi Arabia and women from Egypt who say to me, well, why wasn't there any of this when Egypt made peace with Israel? Mm -hmm. Of course, the peace that Egypt and Jordan made with Israel was a very cold peace that stayed only at the upper levels and never really trickled down to people. And the Abraham Accords is actually changing that as well because everybody's got FOMO now um, and they want, to, they want to join in. Um, and so I've seen collaborations that of every kind that you can think of, cultural, economic, interfaith, um, sport, you name it, commercial, energy, you name it. And uh, that's, that's very exciting to watch. And it's going to be growing from strength to strength as we get to know each other even more. Mm -hmm. And uh, do, do you, um, you think uh, some of these countries, the Abraham Accord countries, uh, that uh, these new relationships are going to survive some of these hiccups? It seems every time, uh, you know, there's a few statements, but do they understand that uh, there are radical Muslim elements here trying to, to use the Temple Mount and Jerusalem as a political football to, to uh, stir up trouble. I do believe they do understand the emotional manipulation that the extremist yes. radical Islam groups yes. is doing with the Muslim population. But imagine, David, this is all a theater. So the, they still have to play that role of the defenders of Islam. And, uh, and we get on with it and nothing changes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to read a couple more uh, scriptures here. This is from Isaiah 44. You know, what really stands out is the, these, these uh, verses, uh, a lot of it poetic. It dates back to 3, 000, over 3,000 years, you know, in some cases where reverence for Jerusalem and, and honor for this city have been embedded in, in the Hebrew scriptures for all this time. And for anyone to question or say that it's being Judaized, this is Isaiah 44, verses 24 through 28. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, he who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself, who frustrates the signs of the babblers and drives divners mad, takes wise men backward, makes their knowledge foolishness, who confirms the word of his servant, performs the counsel of his messenger, who says to Jerusalem, you shall be inhabited, to the cities of Judah you shall be built. I will raise up her waste places. Who says to the deep, be dry, I will dry up her rivers. Who says of Cyrus, he's my shepherd. He shall perform all my pleasure. This was 100 years before Cyrus was even born. It's mentioned, uh, the, uh, the prophet Isaiah mentions him and says, he'll perform my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built. To the temple, your foundation shall be laid. What um, what does uh, um, the Jewish return to this city mean to the Jewish people? To me, it's just a vindication of the the election of Jerusalem and even the election uh, enduring election of God over the Jewish people. 
Well, Jerusalem as a spiritual center of gravity um, and everything comes from Jerusalem. The word Jerusalem in Hebrew, Yerushalayim, Yerushalem means you will see perfection, you will see completeness. And what is the completeness here in Jerusalem? There's also another saying, from Zion, Torah will come out. What does that mean? What it means is that where the worst challenges are, there's also the best solutions. And Jerusalem is also a lab, a laboratory for all the issues, all the problems that we have um, that we can resolve from this lab because this is the most diverse city in the country. This is where the largest population, Arab yes. population in the country, the largest ultra-Orthodox Jewish population in the country. And so every day in the city of Jerusalem, we're building the models for a shared society. We're building the models for social innovation, for fixing all sorts of problems, for socially mobilizing minorities, for solving the problem of poverty, everything. If I could tell you about all the innovation coming out of the city, it's not a coincidence. There's an energy of fixing things here. And from here, we will fix not just the city, the country, the region, and the world. Yeah, I, I do think that somehow Jerusalem, day by day, uh, as my friend used to say, it muddles along. <laughs> you know, the, the city just gets along. You, you, you got to put up with the traffic at certain hours of the day and all. But it, the city is working, and Jews and Arabs are working beside each other. In the absolutely, in absolutely. Stores. Everywhere, you know, we don't have to fake curate meetings here between Jews and Arabs. We work together every single day. Most people on all sides are peace-loving. They just want the same things. They want to raise their kids. They want to go to work, come home, have a good, happy, satisfied life. That's what most people want. But then you have all the radicals. And these are the people that we have to deal with. It's yes. not the average Muslim and it's not the average Jew. Yeah, it's a minority of, of uh, militants that are trying to stir up uh, trouble. Um, we really thank you for your time. We have a message from our president, Dr. Jurgen Bueller. He has to be oh. at, a, at an important occasion. There's a funeral of our, our uh, one of our close oh. Israeli charitable partners up in Haifa. So we had to go to that. But he's left us with a, a message and a greeting for Yom Yerushalayim. He mentions in there how the embassy was founded on the mandate of Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 2. Comfort ye, my people, says the Lord. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem that your warfare is almost ended. You know, uh, Israel, Jerusalem's been the most fought over city uh, on earth. And uh, we want to be here to comfort you and say it's almost over, that God is performing his good purposes for this city. And if you have time to stay to watch his greeting and, res and respond, uh, it'd be great. It's uh, about eight minutes. Well, my deepest condolences, first of all, to your partners. Yeah. And of course, I'd love to stay in here. Okay. Uh, if you can play Dr. Jürgen Bueller's greeting, please. Thank you so much, David. And it's indeed true that the city of Jerusalem, it is a, a very significant, uh, the most significant city, uh, we have to say, also for us Christians. And I'd like to maybe start with a quote that the late Pope, John Paul II, said about Jerusalem. Uh, he said, Jerusalem is a sacred city to all of us, all the big religions, to Christians, to Muslims and Jews. But then he added, and I think this is important when we speak about Jerusalem today, he says, but it was promised 
only to the Jewish people. And I think this is important even for us Christians as we are uh, walking uh, in the footsteps of Jesus, visit the holy places in Jerusalem, that this is a place that became a tremendous blessing for the world, but also that is a, a city that was in particular bestowed to the Jewish people as the custodians of this uh, amazing place. And if you have to think about it, um, everything that is relevant for us Christians that defines our Christian faith comes out of that city. We speak about the death and the resurrection, the ascension to heaven, which actually is uh, celebrated today around the world. And then also he says, uh, there are people come back. And um, you might ask yourself, well, why is this city so different to all the other cities? Why does this have such a significant uh, Prophet Zechariah said, oh, well, it will be like um, a, a, a cup of uh, staggering for the nations that they get drunk with that and they are uh, almost poisoned by the, th by the thought to solve that Jerusalem question. You see this unfolding even until today in the United Nations where they, uh, the whole world wants to deal with that unique city. And there is a purpose with that, for that city that goes back to the very early days of the, of the Bible. And um, the first mentioning, you can say, of the city of Jerusalem is in Genesis chapter 14, where Abraham meets this amazing personality. Uh, he's called the King of Salem, and his name was Melchizedek. And he uh, met with Abraham, and uh, something quite amazing and extraordinary was taking place. He was return returning back from a battle where he was um, liberating his nephew Lot from an army of four different kings. And he came to this place at Salem, met this king, uh, Melchizedek, and he gave him the tithe from everything that he had. And then this man gave an amazing blessing over the life of Abraham. And I think in a way, this was the foundation stone, you can say, of the calling of this unique place. And then when the Jewish people left the, uh, the, the Sinai uh, desert on the way out, when they received the Torah, the commandments of the Lord, the Lord kept telling them, I'm reading just one passage in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse uh, 11, and there are many passages like that. He says, and then there will be a place that the Lord your God will choose to make his dwell there. That means he was telling the Jewish people, one day when you are in the land of uh, promise, uh, the Lord will choose a special place, a special location in that land where God is going to let his name dwell there. And um, we don't hear much about the city of Jerusalem uh, from that mo moment onward. It was a Jebusite city. There were certain battles about that uh, city. I think the possession went back and forth between the Canaanite, Canaanite tribes of, the, of Jebus and the people of Israel. But then King David came to the scene and there something triggered him about that city, Jerusalem. And it might have been the story of Melchizedek, where he said, this needs to be my capital. And he was the one who really liberated that city for the first time and kept it, kept it not only under his possessions, he declared it to be the capital of his kingdom. And that's why until today, it is still called the city of David. And... Um, when his son Solomon was building the temple in Jerusalem, 
um, he was making this amazing statement. He says, uh, uh, this is in Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 9. He says, since the day that I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I chose no city of all the tribes. Referring to that promise, one day I'm going to choose one city. And so far, I haven't chosen a city. Uh, and I chose no man to be prince over my people. But he says, now I have chosen Jerusalem and I've chosen my uh, David to be the king over my people. And in a way, the, this uh, connection between David and Jerusalem is a, a, an eternal connection that we see even until the last pages of the Bible. And that's why also Jesus said it is uh, important for him also to walk his last days of his life in that city. So for us as Christians, it's a city which remembers of us, us on our faith. But today, especially on the days before Yom Yerushalayim, we are also reminded that something very exciting is taking place in our days of which we are eyewitnesses, is that the possession of Jerusalem returned fully to the Jewish people. Uh, latest since 1968, when the, uh, 67, when the Sixth Day was War, Jerusalem had for the first time in almost 2000 years again, a full complete Jewish control over its municipal borders. And uh, since then, we have to say this uh, city tremendously prospered, not to a, lot, to a small degree uh, due to the uh, amazing work that is carried out by the municipality and people like uh, Deputy Mayor Fleur Nahum Hasson, which is uh, doing an amazing work to connect this city with uh, uh, people of many different faiths from around the world to feel themselves at home in the city of Jerusalem. And, and as Christian Embassy, the, in the name of our organization, International Christian Embassy Jerusalem, it was actually given to us not only to rec recognize the historic connection of Christians to the city of Jerusalem, but even more to recognize that this is indeed the capital of the state of Israel, when in 1980 all the embassies left Jerusalem, evangelical Christians from around the world, they made a statement, they said, we want to recognize what needs to be recognized. It's the capital of the Jewish people. It is the city that they need to have uh, the authority over. That's why the Knesset is also there, and many government ministries are located there. And we are fulfilling one mandate from Psalm 122. We call upon our people around the world to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, because this is indeed, even until today, uh, the place where the Lord says, that's where I want to have my name to be dwelling, uh, even until it, eternity. And that's why we stand with this nation, maybe just to close, very nice story. And I heard many, many of those story, uh, stories in recent years. We had a visitor over the weekend, uh, David, you know her, um, uh, the daughter of Christian, Stefan, Elizabeth, and she was sharing about her second boy, how uh, the doctors told her she can't have a child anymore. And her oldest son, which was a, a, a single child, he wanted to have a brother. And he was telling her only afterwards, he was putting a note in the Western Wall. And he says, God, I know you are listening to my prayer here in this special place. Please give me another brother. And one year later, she was returning to Jerusalem to the Western Wall with a little brother of her son, Frederick. And, uh, and we heard many stories like that, that this is indeed a place where God 
encounters with people in a unique place, probably more than any other place. So Fars, it's a privilege to be here to serve this amazing city. And we salute the city of Jerusalem on this uh, 55th anniversary on Yom Yerushalayim this coming day. God bless you. Deputy Mayor, any, any response there? Well, it's wonderful to hear, always to hear from Jürgen, your leader. We've uh, been involved in many events together and many projects together. And we see the International Christian Embassy of Jerusalem as a partner um, in our city, in different works that we do together for charity, to help people who are needy. Uh, and of course, for the patriotism that you show towards Israel and our sovereignty here in the city, in the capital. Thank you very yes. much. Yes, uh, when, we, when we're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, I think you mentioned it in Jerusalem, you have shalem, which is the Hebrew word for peace, but it also means complete, that when you pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you're play, praying for its wholeness, completeness, yes. or its unity. Pray for the unity of Jerusalem. That's essentially what it uh, is talking about. And Yes. No one ever wants to go back to a divided Jerusalem. And we, we can vouch uh, in every quarter uh, we are out there uh, affirming that Israel has been the, and, and Jerusalem, it's been the best uh, custodian of all the holy sites in the land, of all the different sovereigns over the centuries. And I don't even think it's close especially given the sort of obstacles and the agitation against you uh, Israel's done a fantastic job, the city of Jerusalem. It's, it's not like any city in the world that, uh, you know, you've got the ur urban problems of any city, and yet you're, you're brought up on the, at the UN Security Council in emergency session more than any other issue around the world. And uh, we just Well, pray. you know, it's yeah. just ultimately, you know, anti-Semitism has always been around. And like the late and great Lord uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, uh, one of our modern uh, spiritual leaders, the best spiritual leaders in modern times says, you know, anti-Semitism is a mutating virus. 500 years ago, it was about religion. Less than 100 years ago, it was about race. And today it's about nation state. Same hatred, different focus. And, uh, and we have God's promise that we will never yeah. be destroyed. All right, we pray you do not grow weary in, in this battle and in this uh, holding on to what God has given you. Uh, uh, I know one uh, woman, she was a, a minister who used to talk about how uh, in the, the whole battle over Jerusalem, the, the other side uh, is like a mock bidder. And I think you mentioned that they don't, they know they don't really, that, that the city really belongs to the Jewish people. They know they can't have it, but they're just trying to drive up the price that you have to pay for it. And that's a, a real shame. And, uh, but we do believe uh, wondrous things, glorious things are spoken of the city. God has chosen it again. The prophetic, the prophets talk about how God would bring you back to Jerusalem and even to the midst of Jerusalem and comfort you there. And it's not talking about uh, some of the neighborhoods in West Jerusalem. Every time the Bible says Jerusalem, it's talking about uh, the old city and the holy basin and that whole area down into the city of David and and how the city would, would one day jump its walls. Zechariah 2 talks about this. 
So we see God being faithful to his word and, and drawing uh, people like you back to this city to, to uh, really uh, stand for its heritage here. We appreciate having you on. Thank you, David. Thank you very much. And happy Jerusalem Day to everyone. Happy Yom Yerushalayim. God bless you. And Thank join you. us next week for our weekly webinar. We're going to start talking about Shavuot or the festival, biblical festival of Pentecost. We also have our uh, global prayer gathering next Wednesday. Uh, and then the uh, webinar next Thursday, 4 p.m., live here from Jerusalem. We hope you join us then. I'm David Parsons, one of the vice presidents, senior spokesman here at the Christian Embassy in Jerusalem. We just thank our guest again, the deputy mayor of Jerusalem, Flor Hassan Nahum, for her time with us. God bless you all from Zion. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next Thursday at 4 p.m. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on our social media pages for more exclusive ICJ content. Shalom from Mount Carmel. I'm Pastor Peter Tsukahira. And I'd like to encourage you to register now for the upcoming ICEJ Feast of Tabernacles 2022 hybrid event. Special events include the Parade of Nations, Jerusalem March, Worship Soak Sessions, live teachings from global ministers, and a 24-7 prayer tabernacle. So register today at feast.icej.org. I'm excited about being there, and I'm looking forward to seeing you soon in Jerusalem. We so much look forward to seeing you at the Feast of Tabernacles 2022 here in the land of promise.